Growing up in the suburbs, I always envisioned my adult life in a big city. Dazzling lights, bustling streets, and a city that never sleeps seemed like the epicenter of action, where you dove into a frenzy to lose, then find yourself. It was the place where progress happened and where you made your mark on the world. That's why I find it so surprising that I find myself waking up to the sound of my neighbor's chickens every morning. The slow pace of island life, which I thought was boring, has become idyllic. These days, I rarely venture beyond a two-kilometer radius of my house. I love nothing more than spending a night curled up with my crafts in the TV show. But what happened to that adventurous go-getter? When I was in that hustle life, I was burnt out, anxious, and in poor health. The peace around me now has also permeated me. I no longer feel overwhelmed. How much does our physical environment affect our mental? Welcome to Self-Help Junkie, the podcast where we explore the world of personal development through the eyes of book enthusiasts. I'm your host, Erica Ng, a communication coach and your resident bookworm. This season, we'll be focused on developing our romantic skills, but before we dive into the conversation with our guest, let's get a one-minute summary of the book. Even if you aren't, you're likely to know someone who is. Dr. Elaine Aaron has discovered a new personality trait in highly sensitive person and shares that concept. There are four traits to HSP. One, they have deep and thorough information processing. Two, they have above average attention to detail. Three, they are highly empathetic and emotional. And four, easily overstimulated. High sensitivity is genetic and often coexists with ADHD and or introversion. On the upside, they are creative and have a strong appreciation for the arts. You'll be great at deep analysis and can be a compassionate and effective leader, focusing on a team's well-being. What do you have to look out for? For work, stay away from roles that are high-pressured and get ready to communicate your unique sensitivities in relationships. More importantly, you'll benefit from practicing self-care, setting boundaries, and managing stress. And with that, let's dive in. Today, our guest is Cheryl Green, author of You Had Me at No, an animal lover and a self-help enthusiast. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Before we dive into the book that you've picked out for us today, I wanted to get to know you a little bit more. So in your email to me, you were saying that you used writing as a method of therapy uh, to get through your divorce. Can you tell me a little bit about how that process was for you? Yeah, absolutely. So in 2008, uh, let's just say my ex husband did a very, very, very bad thing. Mm-hmm. And I ended up uh, leaving, moving cross country and kind of starting my life over again. And one of those things, um, it's actually from Eat, Pray, Love. She jokes around about uh, divorced women classes, that <laughs> like take classes at the community college after yeah. your divorce. And I took a writing class. Mm. You know, it was something that I'd always been interested in, but I've, I'd never really never really put much thought into it. And it was a fiction writing class. You know, he had us doing short stories and things like that. And I dove into a novel. Wow. Um, My background's actually in forensic psychology Mm -hmm. and I never got to use it. I never got to track down serial killers, (laughs) which was the original goal. Um, So I decided to write a book about it. And it was a lot of fun. Definitely a learning experience. Writing is just, wow, that's all I can say. Right. Um, yeah, it, it was very cathartic um, mm. for so many reasons. You know, one, it gives you a focus. Two, it, it's very satisfying when you're creating something. Um, but I also, it was serial 
killers. So I got to kill off the people in my life that were pissing me off. Um, <laughs> that was going to be my follow-up question. <laughs> like, is there someone in particular that was killed off? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. The, um, the, uh, the main impetus for the serial killer losing her mind was actually, uh, somebody in my life that almost caused the very same thing for me. Wow. So, um, yeah. So got, got to kill those people that, that got in the way. <laughs> Right. I mean, um, that makes a lot of sense. It's fun. <laughs> uh, and then you got into self-help books as well. Is that part of the eat, pray, love journey as well? Yeah. You know, when, when you're going through a divorce, when you're going through that like really difficult time, um, I mean, I was looking for absolutely anything. I mm-hmm. needed guidance. I needed support. Um, I went to therapy and I, you know, it, it helped in some ways, didn't help in others. But I really got into self-help and personal development books. And I joke around that, you know, I, I read one and then I'm like, actually, I, I read pretty much every one that was out there <laughs> at that time. And, you know, you grab a little bit from each. Right. Um, but it it did. It, it set my life on a, a different course. And I'm I'm grateful for every author that's that's put their their heart and their soul into a book. Right, right. And I guess that kind of inspired you into writing your own books as well. It did. It did. Um, Very quickly, I did finish that that first novel and I actually wrote two more. Wow. They're kind of sitting on my my hard drive gathering dust. Mm -hmm. And I just decided, nah, maybe I don't want to be a writer. And I walked it. But a couple of years later, I realized that I actually wanted to be a professional speaker and Mm -hmm. and share my story and what I'd been through and how others could learn from it. And people said, well, if you're going to be a speaker, you have to have a book. (laughs) Like, okay, I can do that. Surprise. Um, Here's three. (laughs) There you go. Um, So yeah, I wrote my first personal development, you know, self-help book. And I really did. I put, I put my heart into it. And, uh, and the, the best feeling is, is when people call and say, you know, that changed how I look at things and mm-hmm. it, it changed my life and I made decisions differently because of it. And, um, that's good. I think it's our responsibility to help others when we've, once we've passed through the, the chasm of suckage. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So you've written a number of self-help books. What would you say has I mean, has your writing process changed? Has the actual uh, content shifted over the years? It definitely has. My writing process has changed. I hopefully my skill level has changed <laughs> as well. <laughs> um, I you know for a while there I was writing business books, mm-hmm. so you know kind of just things to help with the with small businesses and things with that of that nature. And it was fun. It was good. It was satisfying, but it wasn't where my heart was. Mm. And I, I, I got back to self-help with this last, this last book and yeah, the process was different. I did a lot of research. Um, it's not just my story. It's, it's me learning this journey and really learning what there is out there already in the topic. Mm -hmm. And then I put my spin on it. Right. Um, so yeah, a lot more research. I actually, you can't see, but off camera, I have <laughs> a, a pile of books that I still leaf through when I, you know, need to reference something. Yeah, it, it was, it was a wonderful process, uh, challenging for sure. Mm-hmm. If you have any inkling of imposter syndrome, when you sit down <laughs> to 
book. It is like five alarm fire going off in your head every single session. Um, But you get through it. And I did because I wanted to be able to help people. That's beautiful. And the book is called You Had Me at No? Yes. Yeah, You Had Me at No. Um, And the subtitle is How Setting Healthy Boundaries Helps Vanish Burnout, Repair Relationships, and Save Your Sanity. Amazing. And people can find that on Amazon, I'm assuming? It is. Yes. It goes live on August 21st. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure when this will, this will go live, but um, <laughs> it's uh, it's in pre-order status right now. And yeah, August it'll drop. And it's very it's exciting. <laughs> I'll try to line that up so that the episode comes out around the same time. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. So let's get into the book that you brought with you today. Were you familiar with the concept of a highly sensitive person before this book? You know, I, uh, so like I said, my background is actually in psychology Mm -hmm. and I never knew this existed. Never. It was a completely foreign term to me. Mm -hmm. Um, All I knew was that I felt different Mm. than other people. I've been accused of being too sensitive my entire life. And I always thought there was something wrong. Mm. You know, like, oh, I'm just wired. I'm weak. Um, you know, there's, there's just something a little messy in my head. And I was reading another book and it mentioned this highly sensitive person and they're like, oh yeah, go and take this quiz. And I'm like, sure. I like quizzes. I love a good quiz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went over and I mean, 10 out of 10, like every single, every single trait that they asked about, I was like, uh-huh, I have that. Uh-huh, I have that. Mm-hmm. And um, basically what it is, is this um, personality trait, this different way of processing that about 20 to 30% of the population has, happens in both men and women. And we process differently. Mm-hmm. We process more intensely. So when you think about like caffeine, like, do you like caffeine? Do you drink your coffee? I, my, my husband can drink an espresso in bed and then go to bed. (laughs) If I have tea past noon, I will be up the entire night. I will be reorganizing my closet and vacuum at three o'clock in the morning. Right. So I, again, I was like, well, I just can't handle my caffeine. Um, it's, you know, how we experience temperature, mm. how we experience uh, flavor, spice levels. Right. And then, yeah, there is that sensitivity of we we feel deeper. Mm. Um, we're very empathetic. And you... You just experience things for other people as if it's mm. you. Yeah. And, you know, it was just this amazing realization. Um, one, that there is nothing wrong with me. And there's still some people that will say that that is not true. But um, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with me. And it gave me permission. It's like, it's okay. Who you are is fine. Mm-hmm. And like, you go. Like, there's benefits to it. Sure, there's drawbacks, just like everybody else. Um, but it's really this like special trait that kind of kind of makes us stand out a little bit. 
Right. And I think understanding the strengths and the weaknesses that come with this trait, you're more able to look at situations and be like, what situation should I not put myself in? How do I help myself out of the bad situations? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It it definitely changes how you look at the outside world. And um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Right. And you had mentioned earlier that this affected your relationship with your husband because he teased you about (laughs) the the temperature changes in your house. It did. um, You know, I, I, I would literally like, I would walk outside and I would go from hot to cold or cold (laughs) to hot. Like there was no happy medium. There was never like, no, I'm perfectly comfortable right now. And, you know, he laughed at me. He's like, are you ever comfortable? I'm like, <laughs> it's like a two degree, maybe. <laughs> right. Okay. But, you know, after reading this book and I had him read it when I was done and he was like, okay, I get it. Now I see where all of this is coming from. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's another way to understand mm. each other. And I think it, it did. It has helped definitely in our relationship. Right. And that number that you gave, like around 20 to 30%, that means most likely people have someone in their lives with this trait. And even if you don't personally have that, I can help you accommodate other people and not laugh at their (laughs) difficulties. Exactly. And, you know, I think it's becoming more, I don't want to say mainstream, but more people are more aware of it. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're out in public, like you're seeing is, uh, I forget what they call, but like almost like sensory safe houses mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. like kids that have processing. Right. And it's like, okay, maybe this just, maybe it's not a disorder. Mm-mm-mm. Maybe they just process differently. But yeah, I mean, I'm seeing those and every once in a while, I'm like, I wouldn't actually mind going and sitting <laughs> in a quiet cubicle or, you know, yeah. pod for, for 20 minutes. Like that, that would be lovely. <laughs> have you ever been in a sensory deprivation pod? No. Um, oh, have to I'm try mildly it. afraid of what would be going in my head. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, it would be, it would be nice. I've recently started driving without music on. Ooh. And that was the first time that I really noticed the difference. Cause I'm always I'm a huge music fan. So I was always like, as soon as I was in the car and rocking out and singing uh, yeah. And, you know, drumming poorly on the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. And the first time that I got into my car and I was just like, I am so incredibly overwhelmed with life right now. Right. The last thing I want to do is have music on. And I drove home in silence. And it was just like, this is actually not only nice, but it's necessary sometimes. Right. And you said that this, you saw a big difference in yourself. So what does that look like? It's, it's being aware, um, being aware of what's going on. And I think honestly, the, the permission was the biggest thing, Mm -hmm. not feeling like there's something wrong Mm -hmm. is huge. I I think so many of us walk around every day thinking, you know, I'm screwed up. I'm not built right. I'm broken. I'm this, I'm that. And we just have this horrible, you know, self-talk going, and to be able to just sit back and be like, no, I'm actually okay as I am. Right. Like that's, um, it's a really nice feeling. And I'm not saying I don't still have the the self-talk and it's all there, but it's nice to have that peace every once in a while. Right. And having the music off in the car, did that have a specific effect? It 
did, it allows me to think. Hmm. I, I really did have music on at all times when I was doing things and I don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And I don't love music any less. I still mm-hmm. love my concerts. I still love it. But um, like I, I work on jigsaw puzzles when I need to kind of calm my brain. And I used to have music going when I did that. Right. And now I'm just like, nope. Unfortunately, the only thing I hear is my dog licking because he licks his <laughs> seven. So that'll drive me a little nuts. But right. um, no, it's, it's really nice having that that kind of peace. Right. So it's just having one less stimulant when you're doing an activity allows your mind to just process. Back to like the relationship of it all. Has there been any changes in your relationship to your husband other than the understanding? Is there anything that you guys have practically integrated into your lives? I think we, he understands that I need a break every Mm -hmm. once in a while. Like we went to see uh, Mission Impossible Mm -hmm. on Sunday, I think. And he just kept looking over at me and he was like, are you okay? Wow. Are you like, how are you doing? Because it was so loud. And then (laughs) so much like coming at you at all times. He, he realizes that like after that, like I need to kind of cocoon a while and just relax and almost like reset Mm. um, before I can deal with any other stimulation in any manner. Um, So it's, it's again, that, that realization Mm -hmm. and um, what I was, I, one of the things that I found kind of funny in the book is they they describe this uh, th- these two types of people in the world, and you know that most people are are considered the um, the warrior king, and they're these people that like they rush into battle like no you know no thoughts like <laughs> caution to the wind, and they're just like ah you know into save the day or slay the dragon or, or right. you know or bring home the food or whatever it is. And they're important. They're, they're super important, but there's also this other side and the, the highly sensitive person is described as the Royal advisor. Mm. And they're, they're that person that's sitting back and they're like, we shouldn't like pillage this village, you know, today. Like, let's think about it. What's the fallout from that? Like, what's going to happen if we take over? And they're, they're kind of back there saying like, let's slow down. Let's, let's talk about it for a minute. Let's take it I'm reminded of this history teacher that I had who we were going through the ancient Roman emperors and she got so angry at us. She's like, all these guys came in, didn't have a plan about like what they were going to do once they had the empire. If you guys ever take over something, have a plan. What are you going to do with the empire? <laughs> It's important. And exactly. Your teacher was the royal advisor. They were yeah. missing that. They were just like, ah, oh, let's take over. <laughs> um, but it's funny, you know, like we do see it in our relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, he he actually calls me his um, uh, regulator. And we always have to sing <laughs> the, the rap song for regulator. What is that? Warren G, I think. Right. Um, but because he is like, often very impulsive and let's go and let's do and let's buy and let's, you know, like all the things, this is so exciting. And I'm like, um, hold on, hold on. <laughs> let's, let's calm down for one minute. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's see what this looks like. Right. 
So, but you know what? I think a relationship does need both of those personalities because if it was all, you know, royal advisors, you wouldn't get everything, anything done. Right. And if it was all warrior kings, it would be a, just a disaster in the making. So you need you need that kind of dichotomy and that that balance. Right. That's beautiful. I think that I've seen that in past relationships before where I'm, I'm the planner. I have Excel documents every time we go traveling somewhere. Um, and then the other person is more spontaneous. They're like, what if we didn't look up every single restaurant before going out? Like, what if we just stumble upon something really cool? Yeah. Like, I can't do that. I don't know. (laughs) It does not like compute, does not process properly. You were talking earlier about like a trip to Bali. So for you, is slow travel, do you think that's part of being a highly sensitive person? I I do enjoy adventure and Mm -hmm. I do enjoy doing exciting things. Mm -hmm. But as I'm getting older... I'm, I think I'm embracing that slower side. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't get me wrong. I have jumped out of six perfectly good airplanes (laughs) in my life. Um, I have, you know, I've I've done a lot of daredevil, some would say stupid things. Um, But now I'm like, oh, relaxing. And like, I could actually just take an afternoon and read. And it's, I, there, there doesn't need to be that constant stimulation. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, when I'm on vacation, yes, I absolutely love to travel. Like I love to explore. We're going to Costa Rica in September mm-hmm. and can't, can't wait. We're going to, I love sloths. I'm obsessed with sloths. So yeah. I might take one. I can't guarantee anything, <laughs> but like I do, I, I love to go and I can't wait to, you know, do all the canopy tours and we're going to ATV and all that stuff. But we're, we're building it out so that there's mm. rest days in between. And there's just like, nope, I'm just going to do yoga like on the, the, the deck this day. And I'm just going to get a massage this day and, you know, just relax and read. And, um, and yeah, just, it, I, I think it does change up the way that I look at, it, at any schedule whatsoever, but definitely travel. Right. Yeah. I think especially with society in America, it, it, it is very much a rat race. There's, you, you always feel this pressure to keep going. And that was something that I personally struggled with just relaxing. Whenever I was traveling, it was always like, I got to do as much as I possibly can and shove as many activities into one day. But like you were saying, as I've been getting older, once I've hit my thirties, I'm like, I don't have the same energy <laughs> to keep going anymore. now it's like okay every other day maybe we just go see a movie maybe we just sit around uh, and people watch that's one of my favorite activities now okay so if someone were to read this book and they figure out like hey i'm a highly sensitive person i need to start building these things in and what if their partner is not willing to read the book? How could you start that conversation and get them to understand it's not me. I'm not a problem. Okay. So I will say they did, uh, they just did a, no, excuse me. I just found out they did. They mm-hmm. did not just do. Um, <laughs> I think it was actually from 2015. There is a documentary out there uh-huh. called, I think it's just sensitive mm-hmm. and it's got Alanis Morissette in it because oh. apparently she is a highly sensitive person. 
Um, but I think that does a very good job of explaining it. So if they don't want to read, maybe you can get them to watch TV. But, you know, I, I, I think just having that like frank conversation mm-hmm. when emotions are not high. Because I, I, I know for me, I have a tendency to stick my head in the sand. Mm. Like I am definitely conflict avoidant. And, uh, you know, when anybody is, is loud and angry and yelling and I'm just like, I'm going to go like hide under my bed now and call me when you're done. And I, I think that's the best way to, to start a conversation is mm-hmm. to make sure that it's it's like this neutral time where everybody is kind of calm and just going about their day. And, right. you know, like, hey, maybe we can just chat about this. I learned this about myself and I think it would help us relate to one another even better if you understood it too. And does this also reflect the way that you and your husband handle conflict now? Are you guys like, do you wait until people are calm? Yeah, we're still working on it. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a learning, learning experience. And it's like any other muscle of being like, okay, I need you to, I need you to calm down. Um, I definitely, I think we both take it into consideration more. Right. That's so difficult though. Like being a person who I cry in every, every single conflict, it doesn't matter how small it is. I have to tell my partner, like, I'm at like a two angry right now, like out of 10 and the tears are flowing. It's, it's just how my body reacts. Um, Yeah. But there's also this difficulty where, I don't know, like you don't want to leave it too far away and kind of suppress what you're feeling. But at the same time, like I can't handle it right now in this moment. It's, and, and you, sometimes you just have to say that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I do. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. I I put together a book for my niece's wedding and it was like all of this like marital advice from from people that, that care about her. And from one person, I got the never go to bed angry. Right. We've all heard. Mm -hmm. And from the next person I got, no, go to bed angry. (laughs) Sometimes you need to just freaking sleep on it. Yep. And deal with it in the morning when you're both fresh and you're both, you know, calmer and all of those things. And sometimes by the morning, it's not even a big deal. Right. Um, but I thought that was such good advice because for some of us, like, we don't want to deal with it in the moment. Like, we need to gather our thoughts. We need to get from a two and crying down to <laughs> a hopefully not crying. Right. Uh, hopefully. And, uh, you know, having that freedom and not feeling like, oh God, we have to deal with this right now. I, I cannot go right. to bed. I, I, you know, cause of course everybody's dying in the middle of the night and you <laughs> can't deal with it in the morning. Um, but, but having that freedom to say like, you know what, I still love you and we're fine. And tomorrow we're going to actually talk through this. Right. Right. Yeah. It reminds me, my friend went to a therapy session and shared this cause he was like, this is important information that everyone should know. Uh, he was talking about the window of tolerance. Um, like when you're well rested, you're in this window where you can handle everything. Like you've been fed, <laughs> you're well yes. rested, you have water, you're like in a good space. And then there's the range outside of that where you're not well taken care of and you react in a way that you normally wouldn't. So I think especially at night, that's usually when my arguments come up. And it's because we're both kind of cranky. We're both ready for bedtime. It's yes. like 20 minutes past our bedtime and we shouldn't be up. Um, so definitely 
like deciding being like, Hey, we're, we're definitely going to talk about this. I still love you. That's that it is not like an issue that we need to worry about right now. You could talk about it right. tomorrow when we're fresh. Yeah. Do you do anything like take notes or like, how do you gather your thoughts when you're approaching conflict? <laughs> I should notes. It's a great, great <laughs> thought. Um, no, I think I just process, I, I just process by thinking through mm-hmm. things. I, he does take a lot of notes. Mm-hmm. He, he will, will sit down with a, 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 a journal and just, you know, write down everything he's, he's going through. I considering I'm a writer. You yeah. Think that's I what that? I was about to say. <laughs> Maybe I should try that. Yeah. Um, no, I haven't, I haven't gotten to that yet. I think it's, the the biggest thing is calming down the like central nervous system mm. um, because my brain does not work when I am worked up for sure. It just, I cannot, I cannot make an argument, never mind even arguing. I cannot make an argument. I can't think of examples. I can't think back. Like it, it just, you know? <laughs> I'm just crying and I'm sick and I'm, I'm all like wound up. So I think the biggest thing is being able to just calm down and just calm the the physical body down enough that the brain starts working again. Yeah. And how do you do that? How do you calm down the physical body? I've been doing this meditation program for years and Mm -hmm. I should be doing it more because it does actually help when Mm -hmm. I do it, but it's, um, it's a, a lot of box breathing. So the, the breathing in for a count of four, holding it, breathing out for a count of four, holding it again and, and you know, going through that. Um, but it's also accepting your emotions. Mm-hmm. Like in this moment, I feel angry. Not I am angry. Mm-hmm. I feel angry. And that's okay. Mm. Because the biggest challenge that we experience with our emotions is we get stuck in them because we don't accept them. Mm-hmm. Well, I shouldn't be feeling angry. Right. I'm guilt, I feel guilty and I feel angrier because I'm saying I can't feel what I'm feeling. So it's, it's a little thing that I run through. Like in this moment, I, I'm feeling angry and that's okay. And that's not who I am. Mm-hmm. It's just a temporary um, experience that I'm having. And if my goal is to feel peace, this will not get me here. Mm. And then I do my breathing and it works. The more you do it, the better. But I'm usually able to get myself from like a 10 of like, I'm shaking and crying Mm. and like nauseous and so upset to at least like a four. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Like it's still there and I'm still feeling it, but I'm not like, you know, ball of mess. Right. Um, So, but yes. Yeah, the the more the more you practice it, just like everything else, better it gets. <laughs> and do you have a place that you go to? Like, do you prefer being in your office or like in the car where it's like a smaller space? I have so now I I'm and I'm I'm looking past my computer because I have a chair set up on the other side of my room. Nice. It's my reading chair, and my dog is sleeping as we as we speak. He's curled up on it. So it's this super like ergonomic chair from Ikea and I can sit, I, I, if you can't tell, I like <laughs> so I have a bunch of plants in my office and it's like a very just calming right. spot. Um, right. so yeah, that's usually where I go is to that chair. 
And, um, you know, maybe I'll let some incense or not, but, um, I just, just need to get into my zone. Right, right, right. I, I like having a place and like the smells because all of those things set an atmosphere that can maybe, if you do meditation outside of times that you're angry, it can bring you back to that place in terms of a physical space as well. And I'm glad that you mentioned your dog because I know that you, that is a big passion of yours. Does, do your dogs have any impact on the way that you're feeling as well? Gosh, yeah. Um, so... <laughs> So yes, writing was an extremely cathartic experience during my divorce, Mm -hmm. but the other thing that helped me was animal rescue. Mm -hmm. And I got involved and it was, it took me out of this, oh, poor me Mm. experience because I went through a clinical depression and it was a very difficult time, but I got involved and I met people and I found out I had skills and animals are healing in their own right, Mm -hmm. of course. Um, but the, the, the knowledge that you have impacted an animal's life, saved an animal's life and the, how do I put this? Just the, the warmth and love that you get, like animals know the moment they're safe, Mm. like they just know, and you can see their entire body relax. And it's like, I don't have to fight anymore. I don't have to, to be scared anymore. And it's amazing. Um, so yes, so animals definitely play into this there. I, I, I laugh. I had a, a beagle lab mix when I was going through the, the divorce and everything. And I cried onto that dog's fur mm. so many times she was molding. Oh my I God. Mean, like she was just damp all the time. Cause I'm just like, <sighs> all right. But, yeah, I've got I've got two two boys now. One I got during COVID mm. um, because my my girl was getting old and mm. she didn't want to cuddle anymore. Mm. And I was like, I live alone, and my one of my love languages is touch. Yeah. and my only like companion doesn't want to be in the same room. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not gonna survive quarantine. Right. Um, so I ended up uh, fostering this little guy and he knew instantly that he wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> it took me about two weeks to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And um, he's he's been with me ever since. And then I have uh, my other boy. Uh, I was fostering him on and off because his mom was in the hospital mm-hmm. and homeless. And um, so I kind of became his like furry, furry dog mother. And I would bring him food and I would get into the vet and I would take him in every time that she was sick or, or homeless. And, uh, last, last July, I, I took him in permanently. Mm-hmm. She just could not take care of him. And I'm glad I got him when I did. Cause she, I found out she actually passed. Oh. So, um, but he is a happy boy. He's five years old. He's a mix of several terriers mm-hmm. and, uh, he's loving life. Right. So these dogs keep me grounded and they're just the little guy is like a, um, my husband calls him a stuffed animal because he's right. just always on me <laughs> and always cuddling. And as long as that's happening, he's happy. He knows his role. He's like, I'm the cuddler. I understand. <laughs> he does. Yes, he absolutely does. Um, he's a little blind. He's a little deaf at this point. <laughs> probably like 16 years old. Right. And he's just wandering around the house. Like, where's my mom? Where's my mom? 
we set up the chair where it is. So I have a, a constant view of him while I work. Right. So. That, that must be very calming. I think especially you were saying earlier that highly sensitive persons, um, you take on other people's emotions. So if you have something like a dog where I'd say like most of the time, if they're in a safe place, they're probably feeling pretty good. It must be like a way for you to, yeah, just be grounded throughout the day. It is. Yeah. It is. And, and just their fur and just petting them. Mm. I mean, there's so much research behind the benefits that animals provide. The one interesting thing that I do want to mention in this is one of the things I learned from that book mm-hmm. is uh, HSPs um, cannot be on the front lines of nonprofits. Oh, it is not a healthy place because they take on all the emotion, feel everything so much deeper. And I was involved in rescue for almost 12 years Mm -hmm. or actually longer than 12 years and did not realize what I was doing to myself. Right. So now I'm kind of on the fringe. I do. I I donate when I can. I always provide a voice, um, but I do have to be very careful of how close and how involved I get. And I guess this circles back to your book really well. You had me at no, like setting boundaries. This, as a person who is highly sensitive, this must be something that you have to be doing constantly and being very aware of yourself. Yeah. It's, it's funny because one of the definitions of boundaries is where, you know, you end and someone else begins Mm. and vice versa. And when you are sensitive, it's very difficult to find that line. And it's important. It's important to to be like, okay, this is this is my energy I'm picking up on. That's your energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to to kind of shut that out and not take it in and become whatever they're feeling. So it's important. Yeah. Well, we're coming to the end of our podcast. Just to wrap things up, if people are looking for you, where can they start? So I usually say like just shine a puppy light into the sky and I'll come. <laughs> But, um, so my, my website, you can go to, you had me at no.com mm-hmm. and get a bunch of information there. Uh, Cheryl green speaks.com will be up soon, but as of right now it's under construction. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but the other one will get you there. I'm on Instagram. I'm on YouTube. I'm on TikTok. all the, all the places. And it's pretty much all Cheryl green speaks. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a real pleasure to talk through your book and your life. Thank you. This was awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed, stop what you're doing right now and give me a rating in your app. It really helps other people find the show. If you have thoughts or tips you'd like to share, please do at Pod on Instagram, Twitter, or Gmail. I'll see you guys next time.